You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 AM and 930 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you conversation about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Good morning. I'm Jim Dish of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office. Glad to be with you for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Every Saturday at this time, we bring you highlights of our local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ 750 AM. Our broadcast week began with Catholic Conference of Illinois Executive Director Bob Gilligan visiting with Sister Stephanie Beliga of the Mission of Our Lady of the Angels. She recently ran a marathon on a treadmill. I've been reading uh, about you and seeing you on TV, and it's a pleasure to talk to you here on the radio, um, trying to get you a couple extra dollars if you can. So um, tell us a little about, uh, and I have to say, I've run uh, a few marathons, and um, it's tough, but I can't even imagine running one on a treadmill. And so you did it. Tell us a little about your experience of three hours and 33 minutes. That's pretty good. That's really good. Yeah, it was exciting. Um, it was kind of a last-minute decision and a kind of, a, yeah. you know, on a whim. So that made it extra exciting because yeah. I didn't really train. Some of so, life's best decisions are made on a whim, I've found. I, you know, this was one of the best whim decisions I've ever Good made. Good for you. So that worked out. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. So you, you set a record. Is that the case? Uh, yes. I was the – I was. Apparently someone already broke it. The world record oh, well. holder for the treadmill marathon. The only reason I was able to do that is because no one had ever recorded a time before. There you go. So I was the first one to do it. So that's how it happened. And you, more importantly, I think we should talk about this, is that uh, you, you did it not just to break a world record or <laughs> you had nothing to do. Yeah. You're a sister at, uh, at Mission of Our Lady of Angels. And just tell us a little bit about what goes on there. It is a fantastic place if anybody's not familiar with it. Yeah. So um, – we here at Mission of Wiley of the Angels serve those in West Hill Park, which is one of the most challenged areas in Chicago mm-hmm. right now uh, and continues to be extremely um, challenged during COVID and COVID-related events. Um, we've been serving triple the number of people normal at our food pantries. We've wow. been serving 3,000 3, families a month at the That's... food pantries we, we run. So it's been a very intense, a lot of uh, very intense need, time of need. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then normally um, we do additional social service outreach to the neighborhood and most importantly to try to bring Jesus to those who are in some really difficult circumstances, try to bring some hope and love to those who need it very badly. That's that, And that's terrific. And that's what really what the money went to is to, is to help and aid in that mission, which is which is which is very well needed and very well put. So uh, you, you did the marathon and uh, you had a little bit of surprise at the end. Is that the case? You had yeah, so yeah, there was a lot of surprises, it. but the biggest surprise was the uh, um, at the last mile, uh, PJ Wyland, who was the one who was the uh, brains behind all of the IT that you guys saw. If anyone who ever watched it or saw on the news, uh, sh- she had organized with ASICS to bring uh, Dina Castor, who was the bronze medalist right uh, in the Olympics, uh, to join me for the last mile on Zoom. It was great. That's it was incredible. You're a, you were a runner in college, though, right? You, you, you're you're not a novice to this. Yes, I've run for I've ran, I've been running since I was nine. Okay, I, I, running is a it's uh, probably the, my most consistent part of my life. 
Good for you. Good life. for you. Yeah. I just hope your knees hang uh, hang in there. Mine are starting to go. Well, they think they're gone. I just don't know it yet. So that that seems to be the problem as as you get older. But uh, you've got plenty of of miles left in you. That's that's kind of like you know uh, as a kid, like you know if, if if I were playing basketball or something, Michael Jordan came on the court. I mean, that's kind of the equivalent in terms of women's yeah, running. Yeah, it was right? exactly like that. Yeah. It was like I'm I'm kind of running mediumly fast slash kind of slow and yeah. like falling apart, and then like you know an Olympian shows up on your screen, and you're like, oh my gosh, you can... I thought I was hallucinating for a minute. Yeah, if yeah. You marathon. You know, you kind of like round twenty four. You like you're really you're they right. the right the the the, the, re- the difference between reality and not reality becomes very thin. Yeah, so, I know, uh, I know that feeling. <laughs> right, is this ever going to end? Yeah, it's usually the thing. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm mile twenty three. I was like, oh, is this ever going to end? Yeah, <laughs> just get me to the finish. Fake finish lines everywhere. You know, yeah, and I'm yeah. sure when that comes up on your screen, you're thinking, where am I? So uh, you do it in three thirty three. You set you set a world record, although it looks like you've been surpassed. But but nonetheless, you can say you were the first. I um, definitely was the world record holder. Yes, there you go. Not many people can say that, but. Tell us how uh, people can still donate. Um, we're highly encouraging that. And tell us how uh, people could still do that. Yeah. So most importantly, we raised over $140,000 for Mission of Our Lady of the Angels to the Treadmill Marathon, which mm-hmm. is super exciting. And we still need additional help. Uh, and you can do that at um, olagiving.com. It's so- olagiving.com. And if you ever want to watch the run, you're also on Somewhere on uh, the internet, I take it to. Yeah. yeah. If you go to missionola.com, that's got all the things. And then our Facebook page has also all the things if you want to look at more information. So I I mentioned in the intro, uh, so you also have uh, a new auxiliary bishop from your area of the woods, too. You guys are, uh, well, you're doing everything over there. It's an exciting time. It's been a weird month. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. Amidst all the struggles with the coronavirus and all the other things that are going on, um, there's a lot of good news going on because you guys are working really hard and you're and you're doing the right thing and you're mission focused. And it's like I said, if people have are not familiar with it, I highly encourage you to go to that OLAgiving.com website. Uh, what they have going on there is uh, really important. It's in a it's in a tough area of town. I mean, I've been there a few times. And it is uh, the the mission to see uh, what what do you say three thousand meals a month, in addition 3, to all the all the other things you're doing with uh, groceries. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah, it's it's an incredible project. A lot of good things going on. And how many sisters are out there now, Sister Stephanie? So there's eleven of us total, 11. which includes Brother Matt and Bishop Elect. Okay. Bob Lombardo. Okay. Yeah. So that's terrific. Um, anyway, uh, once again, you can go there to the OLAgiving.com website. You can see uh, Sister Stephanie running, and please go to uh, donate. Um, it's not too late to give, and we highly encourage you to do so. Sister Stephanie, thanks so thanks so much for taking some time this morning. Yeah, it was great to be here. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Congratulations to Sister Stephanie and to all the wonderful folks at the Mission of Our Lady of the Angels. We encourage you to visit their website at missionola.com. Also in his radio program this week, Bob Gilligan talked with Aid for Women board member Molly Perry about their upcoming virtual benefit dinner. So you um, have been doing a great job of... uh organizing as well as everybody on Aid for Women's Board, this um, virtual fundraiser we're doing on October the 7th at 7 p.m. But maybe we should just talk a little bit about what Aid for Women is, what it does, and and, and the event on the 7th. Absolutely. Um, Well, as Sue Barrett, our executive director, uh, recently said to me that just 
you know, summed it all up, is our mission is to find the abortion-minded woman and help her to choose life. And it's all about that decision and supporting that woman, you know, all the women that come to us and to let them know that, you know, abortion doesn't have to be the answer. We're here to walk with you. We can support you along the way. And just all the services that that Aid for Women brings to the table, it's the counseling, a- the, the ultrasounds, the, you know, even even the the abortion reversal pill. Um, community referrals, all those things that, that we can support her with and to let her know that she doesn't have to choose abortion, that, that she can choose life. It, it's a great organization, and it really is kind of where the rubber hits the road in terms of, uh, a, you know, the, the Pope and Cardinal Supich talk a lot about accompanying women and accompanying people on their journeys, and that's exactly what Aid for Women is doing on a daily basis. It's, it's, it's miracles every week, um, sometimes every day, uh, the experiences that, that, that we have helping this organization. And so it's so important um, to participate it uh, with it and help us out a little bit um, on the fundraiser. Tell us a little bit what's going to happen on October 7th. Sure. Um, so we have an annual uh, dinner every year. This will be our 41st and we're having the, the live stream virtual event. Um, it's actually a hybrid this year, which is kind of cool. Uh, ben Watson will be with us at the Univ- at the Union League Club. And so he'll be giving his speech live, but we're going we're gonna to stream it on Facebook and YouTube. And all you have to do is go to www.aidforwomenlive.com to tune in. Um, and then you'll, you'll be directed to the YouTube link and, or the Facebook link. Um, ben Watson, amazing, amazing man. Um, he is. Super Bowl champ, uh, played for the Patriots, incredible guy, seven kids. Um, pro-life. He's an incredible speaker. He's and he's got this incredible movie coming out, Divided Hearts of America. Yep. I saw a rough cut of it. It is such a great movie because he interviews um, legislators and and people in power that have that have you know supported abortion laws and and um, and then also the other side. So it's it's just a very compassionate. Um, very civil um, portrayal of both sides, um, but also just it, it just comes true. He's he, he's so pro life. This this comes through so so clearly. Yeah, he he's a he's a he's a great guy. He played in the NFL for I don't know how many years. It's quite a few. Had a great career. Just recently retired. Um, he came to our event last year, spoke just off the cuff for five minutes, and he's a terrific speaker. And as as Molly said, he has the movie coming out, Divided Hearts of America. It's going to be a – it, these are game-changer type things that change the culture. And just a, a great speaker, I guarantee you he's going to be uh, – captivate anybody who tunes in that night uh, to look at it. And then, uh, of course, we've engineered the Bears' win yesterday in order to do this interview. <laughs> And, and we have after that we have uh, somebody else that's got a football connection, huh? Yes, we have uh, Virginia McCaskey, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful woman who has been um, such an advocate for life her entire life, and um, her just her life is just such an inspiration. She is going to be accepting our uh, Defender of Life Award, the Presidium Vitae Award. Um, and Mrs. McCaskey, she's an incredibly humble woman. She really does not ex- accept much 
recognition in, in any way. So we were very honored and humbled that she agreed to accept this this award. Um, but she just wants to bring attention to to saving lives and supporting women and and just the whole pro life um, cause. So. Yep. Thank God for her. What is she, 97 years young or something? They described it that. Yeah, so it's on. Sharp as a tack. <laughs> exactly. That's what everybody says. And it's she's such a blessing to be around. She's just she's just a warm, humble person. And as you said, does not accept awards and doesn't do this very often. So this is really a great opportunity to, uh, you know, you know w- help an organization. And, and even if you're not going to donate, you know, per se, check out the talk. Because I think Ben Watson can move people in a way that few can. And this movie coming out is a change of the culture. And I think it's a real opportunity for people to be educated, first of all, and then hopefully support uh, the fine work that Aid for Women does every day through the, the homes, through the, as you said, the, the, the counseling centers, through all the, all the great work that organization does. And uh, I, I really think it's going to be a great event on the 7th. You can access it by going to YouTube. If you just plug in Aid for Women, so you can watch it there. You can watch it online, and you can register at aidforwomenlive.com. Thanks to Molly Perry for joining Bob Gilligan on the radio this past week. Stick around. We'll be hearing from our friends at Catholic Charities after a short break. neighbor, warm and friendly thoughts come to mind. Think of smiles across the yard, positive wishes, and looking out for one another on an ongoing basis. Catholic Charities Neighbors in Need Fund inspires all of these and much more. We've seen an unprecedented number of requests for assistance this year from people who have never needed help before. When you make your gift to the Neighbors in Need Fund, you are igniting hope in the lives of your most vulnerable neighbors, especially individuals and families who continue to struggle to put food on the table and keep a roof over their heads. Your gift will give them the resources they need to overcome the unexpected, very serious circumstances in which they find themselves now. Give online at catholiccharities.net or call 312-948-6087. That's 312-948-6087. Catholic Charities Neighbors in Need Fund. Thank you for helping build a world of kindness, one neighbor to another. We invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend, featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. We'll talk with Cardinal Blaise Supich about ongoing efforts to safely reopen churches and schools. We'll take you to a drive-in mass, one of the more creative ways to worship during the COVID-19 pandemic. And we'll hear from our new priests, the men who were recently ordained to serve the Archdiocese of Chicago. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. 
It has been inspiring to see how individuals, families, and communities have found ways to help one another throughout 2020. At Catholic Charities, we usually have 35 to 40 events a year where we gather and enjoy time together in support of important programs and services while raising critical funds that allow us to respond to the growing number of people who are in need of the most basic necessities in life. Many of our events are now virtual. If you would like to be a sponsor for one of these events, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Also, visit us at catholiccharities.net slash events and follow us on social media too. We so look forward to when we can resume our events in person and reconnect with our friends and partners throughout Chicagoland. For now, please consider donating to Catholic Charities so our vital work can continue. Thousands of people in Chicago count on Catholic Charities every day. Please help us help them today. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. Catholic Charities After Supper Visions program offers guests of our Tuesday night supper the opportunity to learn the art of photography. These talented guests who are often experiencing homelessness are offered disposable digital cameras and they work with volunteer professional photographers to learn the basics of taking photos. Then the artists go out and capture images on film of anything they find to be beautiful or interesting in the world. Their photos are amazing. Visit AfterSupperVisions.com to learn more about the artists and their artwork. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn too. At After Supper Visions, we are developing film, talent, and hope. Hi, this is Bob Gilligan, Executive Director of the Catholic Conference of Illinois and current board chair of Aid for Women. I'm inviting you to a special event, a virtual fundraiser on October 7th at 7 p.m. This year's speaker will be Ben Watson, former NFL football player and Super Bowl champion. He's also the executive producer of a recently released film, Divided Hearts of America, a film that he hopes will change the nature of the debate about abortion in America. In addition, this year, we're honored to be presenting an award to Virginia McCaskey, owner of the Chicago Bears. For more information, go to www.aidforwomenlive.com. That's www.aidforwomenlive.com. You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio, 950 a.m. and 930 a.m. Every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago Week in Review, a program that brings you highlights of our local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ 750 AM. And here's a reminder that you can also listen to our radio programs live or at your convenience by going to radiotv.archchicago.org. That's radiotv.archchicago.org. And our radio programs are available on your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. So subscribe today. Next up, Marie Jochum and Bridget Murphy of Catholic Charities talked with Joseph Gluntz Jr. and Carla Gutierrez. They discussed the Lake County Family Self-Sufficiency Program and how funds for these virtual events are especially important this year. 
Let's take a listen. We have a really exciting show today. Um, We get to talk about two of my personal favorite things. (laughs) And if my mom's listening, I know she'll be very proud. So they are working with people, helping move them along the path of their life and wine. So I'm (laughs) excited that we get to talk about both of these things today. Um, and, And what's exciting is that this is a fabulous way for our listeners to help Catholic charities this fall from the comfort of your homes with your families and friends through a virtual celebration. That's right. We are joined by Joseph Gluns Jr., who is president of Lewis Gluns Wine, Inc., the wine and beer distribution business that has been serving the Chicago area. See what I did there, Marie? Love it. Love it. Since 1888. That's unbelievable. (laughs) Uh, Joe and his team have been working very hard getting ready for Catholic Charities' 20th annual Divine Affair event in January. Now, this is, as you might imagine, usually a beautiful room full of wine uh, suppliers. And the sense of community is there is just tremendous among people who make wine. And Joe can talk about that. And all the proceeds from the Divine Affair go to support Catholic Charities' self-sufficiency programs. Absolutely. And and we have um, Carla Gutierrez, who is a program supervisor for Catholic Charities, Family Self-Sufficiency Program in Lake County and um, a hero of a social worker for sure. So Catholic Charities has four self-sufficiency programs and all of the proceeds of the Divine Affair benefit this this type of service. So the Lake County program that Carla leads assists low-income single parents with dependent children who are really working to break the cycle of poverty. And we're so grateful to Carla for coming on the show to tell us more about the work um, of her team. So welcome, Joe and Carla. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Carla, we're going to begin with you. You know, you're, I, I've heard you um, give an explanation a couple of times in different spaces about what it is that your program does, and it's so vast and kind of all-encompassing. Can you share with us a little bit about what the what your program does, what your social workers do, and what your families do, and how that all kind of works together? Absolutely. So I think I could take the entire show telling I know. everything. <laughs> or we could have six shows. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to sum it up, you know, we really become a, a great support system for our clients. So we work with single parents that have a desire to become self-sufficient. And they're in the program for five years. And throughout these five years, we work towards the goals that they establish at intake. Um, and so as we become part of their journey, we also continue to encourage them to establish a support system because we realize that that's very important as single parents to have, um, but also to surround themselves with the type of support system that will get them closer to their goals. Um, and we work with them in different capacities. We use a strength-based, client-centered, holistic approach when working with our clients, which has been really successful in, in their ability to get closer towards meeting that goals and ultimately becoming self-sufficient. Carla, can you tell us a little bit about the kinds of needs clients come to you with? I think some of us may take self-sufficiency for granted because we mm-hmm. we maybe were launched into the world in a way that that was covered for us in a way. Can you just talk a little bit about what can destabilize a family or or what they're coming to you, what the needs are? Yeah. So, you know, we see definitely uh, single parents that are coming to us and they're just lost. They don't know where to go or how to ask for help. Um, you know, a lot of our clients are coming from 
different walks of life. But one thing that we continue to see is that many of our clients lack the basic skills needed to function in life. And so we work with them to build rapport um, and to develop a relationship that will allow us to work with them and provide them with the skills needed, but also shed light on why they should want more, right? And so we become not just their case manager and their employment case manager during these five years, but we become their teacher, their mentor, their motivational coach, their friend, and really whatever else we need to be for them. Carla, I love that. And I think, you know, you were were just highlighting um, the support system, right? The importance Mm -hmm. of having a network of people, whether that's your social worker, your mentor, your friend or your teacher, kind of building that support system. And we have seen during this pandemic, I think there's been kind of a door that's open for some folks who maybe didn't realize before, right, that support systems are key. They're crucial for all of us. And so um, I, I really just love, 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 love the work that you are all doing. And I I also know that, you know, the Latino community has been disproportionately affected by COVID through throughout um, the nation, but particularly throughout Cook and Lake County. And can you share with us maybe a little bit about what you are doing um, in Lake County, kind of how your work has changed to address this, but also what are some of the resources that you've been able to provide? Absolutely. So in addition to my role as program supervisor, um, I'm also the president of the Latino Coalition here in Lake County, and I have also, um, as a representation of Catholic Charities, have joined the ACL, which is Asociación Comunitaria Latina, and this is a group of professionals here in Lake County that are coming together to really try and, and meet the needs of our community and mitigate the health concerns that are coming um, as a result of that. And I think this has also helped the Family Self-Sufficiency Program because we have, of course, Spanish-speaking clients, Latino clients, Hispanic, um, as they identify. And so being part of these conversations, being at the table for these committees and, and coalitions that we join, then allowing me to bring that information back to my team, which then allows the clients to find out more about different resources that are available in the community. And so it's really important for us as a team to really continue to understand what's out in their community that's available to them um, because we know that's going to help our clients tremendously in knowing where to access and and actually connecting them versus just referring them. I think that five years sounds like a long time to people, but it really allows for that deep support that creates lasting change. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you s- tell so us a little more about that? Sure. Um, So in grad school, I heard that it takes seven generations to break the cycle of poverty. And so as a collaborative team, our family self-sufficiency program continues to work hard to make an impact on the lives of the clients that we see, as well as their generations to come. We are here with Carla Gutierrez, the program supervisor for Catholic Charities Self-Sufficiency Program in Lake County, and Joe Glenns Jr., who's president of Lewis Glenns Wine, um, who has been serving the Chicagoland community since 1881. You know, Bridget and I have been talking a little bit, and she used a great expression um, off the air that I'm going to use on the air, that you can't swing a cat at Catholic Charities without hitting a glunt. And this is very (laughs) true. The history of Catholic Charities is really so so in line with the history of um, your family. Joe, is that a fair thing to say? Well, thank you very much for that. I meant that in the best way possible, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) He knows. He knows. 
So we, you know, I, I was also sharing that once a, a year, your whole family comes and serves a Tuesday night supper together. Can you share with us a little bit about how everyone started to get involved with Catholic Charities and when that partnership began? Well, you know, our family grew up uh, and got started in Old Town, uh, so just down the street from uh, where Catholic Charities is now. And it's just, we've always grown up a, a very Catholic family that has always felt it's important to give back and support those who help people who are unfortunate. And we, or less fortunate, not unfortunate. So sorry. No, 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 no. We we are so grateful for that. And I think you can see truly just the imprint of your family across Catholic Charities in many different ways, both serving people on the ground and then also doing these really amazing events like what we have coming up. Right. Um, Joe, I'm so impressed that today is, I mean, it's so about family, <clears throat> both in terms of the self-sufficiency services that keep families stable and get them on a new path. Then we have the Gluns family that for generations has has served the community through all sorts of ways, but, you know, our experiences through Catholic Charities. And then last year was my first Divine Affair. I have been at a few other wine tasting events. And the sense of family among the vintners, if that's the right <laughs> term, you correct me, it is, yeah. is so striking to me. I mean, there doesn't seem to be a sense of of competition. I've never seen there's so many hugs and what do you have and how's this product doing? And it, it's just sort of amazing. So before we get to what the virtual tasting is going to be like, tell us a little bit about that community. Well, you know, it's, it's fun. I've got nine siblings. Uh, my dad comes from a family of five. Uh, you know, we, there's, there's no shortage, as you guys have mentioned, of cleanses. <laughs> uh, we all have large families and, and they're the center of, of our life, literally. And it, you know, mom always said, you know, it's great to have nine siblings. You don't need any friends. You've got all your best friends right here in the house, and you're stuck with them. Uh, but, you know, the, the great thing is that when you treat people with respect, when you understand everybody's part in, in the place in, in getting a household of 12 moving, you know, you, you kind of then take that out into the world and expect everyone's going to be the same, and you treat them all with the same way. And I think that, you know, in our family business, uh, which is, uh, you know, many generations uh, old, we really treat employees the same way. We treat our suppliers the same way. And when we get together, it's a large family reunion, uh, even if it's, you know, 110 different uh, vintners and, and winemakers uh, or getting together at a Friday sales meeting. That I mean, I, those are not just words. I've seen it. I mean, it's just really special. Tell us a little bit about what people can expect from participating in a virtual wine event. How are they going to get the wine? What's it going to look like? Oh, it's really cool. You know, we, we've hosted these. My dad came up with the idea of hosting house parties uh, to, uh, to kind of build up and promote the Divine Affair, uh, which is here to support, be the support system, uh, as Carla had mentioned, to them. Uh, so this is their support system. Uh, so we need to ask everyone to help and, and to do that and to spread that word. Uh, we really pull in uh, as many of these house parties, which is, you know, at least 12 people and everybody got together at their house. And we brought nine different wines in and, and just had kind of a, a fun wine education as being a vehicle to have people come in and get interested and maybe have a little uh, a looser wallet after a couple of glasses of wine. Uh, and then explain what Catholic Charities uh, Self-Sufficiency Program is all about, why they need their support, 
uh, why they need our support. Uh, and then uh, then make a little ask, but but mention that, you know, we've got the Divine Affair coming in January. Uh, and we're coming into our 20th year, and we hit get hit with the uh, the fabulous coronavirus. And so we all, we have to just pivot and, and rethink how we're going to do this. So we decided, like everybody, you know, I remember that first week after St. Patrick's Day, the yeah. uh, virtual uh, happy hours. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how many happy hours are we going to go to on a Friday? Like, <laughs> <laughs> True. We we can go visit our friends in, in California. Then we can jump down to the, my family in California. Then let's go visit our friends in Italy, you know, because at 2.30, they're, they're drinking uh, <laughs> their happy hour. <laughs> And, uh, and so we just decided, you know, let's pivot this exact same thing. Everybody's getting the Zoom fatigue. We don't have as much Zoom fatigue when there's a glass of wine in front of you. So we took uh, these wines, and, and to be safe, we, we said, let's host these, uh, fam- these family, these uh, uh, friends, these just complete c- crazy groups together. We've got uh, yeah. um, uh, groups of all sizes getting together, and we – send them or get set up these wine sets with six different bottles that are in two ounce bottles uh, meant for uh, tasting with, for one person. And usually everybody's jumps up in a couple. They can share them. If they uh, don't uh, taste or drink wine like my wife and I do, then you definitely want to have your own. <laughs> uh, otherwise I never taste Chardonnay. Oh. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, we, we have these tastings and uh, set up a zoom platform. Uh, for the uh, Divine Affair, uh, and uh, we show a little bit of a Catholic Charities intro to explain why uh, the self-sufficiency system, uh, self-sufficiency program needs our support. And then we run through, and uh, they've got a recorded version, uh, which you can kind of just have if you're um, doing a, a little quick, small something. Uh, otherwise, some of them I'm trying to get on as much as I can. Uh, Kristen, as soon as we came up, my, Kristen is my wife. As soon as we came up with this plan, she's like, "Now you are not going to be at every one of these. We're going to be loaded all the time." <laughs> <laughs> so for my health and my my, uh, my the health of uh, of my relationship with my wife, I'm, I'm trying to do as many as That's I right. can. That's right. This is family stabilization. Yes, no. we want to keep your family <laughs> stable Talk as about well. Family self sufficiency. Yeah, exactly. You know, I I um had a real sacrifice I had to make, Bridget. I had to participate in the test run of one of these virtual events. Oh, thank you for your it sacrifice, was, you are, Marie. You are welcome. You are welcome. It was a big sacrifice. Um, it was a very difficult afternoon. Exactly. And I loved it. I mean, I, you know, I we've been on a lot of these virtual yeah. meetings and events and, and, you know, you don't know how they're going to go. And we are, as Joe mentioned, all getting Zoom fatigue. But this one yeah. was so cool. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, she's wonderful. Well, this has been a great show today. Um, We've tried to blend discussing wine tasting events and a great cause, and I think the result has been like fine wine, sensational. So thank you to Joe and Carla for all you're doing to make the 2021 Divine Affair another huge success, full event for Catholic Charities and our client. For more information on all the ministries of Catholic Charities and what you can do to help, go to catholiccharities.net. Our final segment today is a highlight from Focus on the Liturgy, hosted by Divine Worship Director Todd Williamson and Tim Johnson of Liturgy Training Publications. They always have fun talking about their favorite subject, the liturgy. 
uh, when uh, we've said this, I don't know how many times, but when most Catholics hear the word liturgy, I, they, I think they think immediately mass. mass. Yeah. But the mass we know is not the only liturgy of the church. There is a whole corpus of liturgical rites in the, in the church, a whole body of, of liturgical rites, all the sacraments and the uh, uh, periodic celebrations, uh, daily celebrations of morning prayer and evening prayer and blessings and the liturgical seasons, the liturgical year, all of that. Oh, yeah, don't forget Christian initiation, all the minor <laughs> rites, all the wonderful things that sometimes we forget because uh, they're, they're uh, sometimes quickly celebrated in a parish. But yeah, all those, all those wonderful things. And we've all, of course, seen baptisms and confirmations. So we're familiar with those, those particular liturgies. So we take a part, uh, we take a look at uh, the individual rites or the seasons and we just unpack them and, uh, you know, uh, delve into them and, and, and as I love to say, plumb them for their richness because uh, our liturgies teach us. They teach us what we believe. They help us to profess what we believe. They shape our faith. Yeah, and, and you remember a few uh, months ago we met with Joyce Ann Zimmerman, and that's what you just said, Todd, made me think of that conversation was we can come back to the liturgical text, the ritual, time and time again as we grow in our own faith, and we can yeah, continue to mine the richness of that because we're going to learn something new or encounter the risen Christ anew every time we uh, hear those texts or come come to a liturgy uh, in a new place, a new time. And and that's our plan for this show, at least as of now, <laughs> as we start. Uh, our uh, what, what We have been periodically um, taking apart and um, um, uncovering various parts of the Mass. And uh, uh, it's a periodic series. We're going to pick back up on that. Yeah, and today we're uh, going to break open the liturgy of the Eucharist, or at least the first part of that, because uh, <laughs> there's so much we could talk about. And we finished um, in our, our last uh, episode, uh, really, we finished with the liturgy of the Word, where we talked about, we finished, I guess, with the Creed and the Prayers of the Faithful, which leads us right into the preparation of the gifts, the Offertory, um, and the liturgy of the Eucharist. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a means, we've done this before, but it's, it's just a means of taking the various parts of the Mass and, and, and really kind of looking at why we do what we do. Yeah, kind of scratching the surface, answering some of the, the questions that come up um, that we hear. I know certainly Todd's heard in the worship office, and I've heard in my previous uh, work and in my current work, you know, people are just curious. Why do we do what we do? Yep. Uh, you know, why does the priest wash his hands? Yeah, I, I get yeah, that a yeah, lot. Yeah, exactly, yeah. What are those, what, why do we cross ourselves on the forehead, the mm -hmm. lips, and the, and the heart? I mean, all of those. And remember why? Because nothing is unimportant in liturgy. Liturgy is its own language. It speaks its own language. Language. Yeah, that that ritual language, it, it made me think of the, and I think I've shared this on the show before, my professor, Father Kevin Cecilts, you know, used to talk about because we are people, uh, the incarnation, we embody the, the ritual. You know, we we do it. Um, so it isn't just an... A it's not just saying things. Yeah, and it's not just a play act sort of thing, but we embody the prayer itself. And so the signing of the lips isn't just something that, oh, the Vatican said we're supposed to do this. Like, it's not that kind of thing. But it's... We pray with our bodies. Yeah, it's remembering holy words come out of our mouths. Postures. All of that. that. We, gest uh, gestures that we make. Uh, when we sit, when we kneel, we're praying with our bodies. Yeah, I mean, it's... 
yeah, we're body persons. That's what Father Kevin used to say. Yeah. And, and we, that's one of the things I love about our tradition is the, the physicality of how we pray. Yeah. And not just with our bodies, but with the signs and the symbols that we use, the, the, the tangible, the tactile uh, things that, that are part Water, of our tradition. oil, yeah. incense, uh, ash, candles, bread, wine, wine all yeah. of that. Yeah, uh, everything. I was working on something uh, recently, and uh, it was actually for for Ash Wednesday and Palm Sunday, like some connected things. And I was thinking even about the palms, you know, the very practical things of the fresh palms we wave and then the dried palms we bring back to be burned. And, uh, yeah, so all of the real tangible things. We're very earthy people. We are. We are. We are. We 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 embody our prayer in the midst of a creation that God made good, and that is what He uses to encounter us. Right, it's in it's, the liturgy. That's the place. Yeah, the the idea of revealing uh, oneself, God's self, in through creation. I mean, that, that brings me back to Saint Francis, of course, who saw God in so so many things, um, in in the presence of of all things. But yeah, that's where. God reveals God's self is yep. in these tangibles. In in the I don't know if it's in the new translation, but in the previous translation of the uh, blessing of the water, these sacramental signs. Yes, that image yeah. I always come back to. It's it's very for me at least a very concrete, natural, uh, ex- visual thing is what what comes to my mind. Yep. That water, that oil. God uses the very things of His own creation: water, oil, fire. And he, and what we say, we believe, is that through those, he encounters us. We encounter yeah. God the Father in the risen Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit in every liturgy we celebrate and, and in every part of the liturgy. Right. So um, not not it's not it's not that one part of the liturgy is more important than the other part. Right. Uh, and 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 I'll be honest, I think many Catholics think that about what we're going to talk about today. Oh, Liturgy of the Eucharist. That's the really important part of the Mass. They're all important. And we encounter the living Christ. We are in communion with Christ in every part of the liturgy. Yeah. And we saw, we saw that in this series, right? Mm-hmm. It begins at just just in, in, these, in this series, just as a reminder to the listeners, we, we began with the introductory rites. That's where God gathers us into the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. That, that's where God gathers us together and it's not just individual gathering it's not just individual christians gathering it's the church gathering the church which is the body of christ i mean e- even even in our gathering we encounter him right and, and we talked about this before on the show that fourfold presence of christ in that gathering as as god gathers us in those introductory rites we become the, the very, presence of Christ, right. the body of Christ, yeah. the, 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 the bodily presence. That's how we know. That, that's how you're visible to me, by right. your bodily presence. Exactly. I, you know, that's, how I, that's how I know you're in the room with me. I, 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 I see your body and, 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 and know that you are present to me. Well, it's the same thing with the bodily presence of Christ when we gather as the church. As the church. And, and that is the visible sign of the presence of Christ in the world. So... Whether you're at St. Rita, St. Matthew, St. Bartholomew, wherever you're at, when you've gathered as body of Christ, you become a visible sign of the risen Christ within your community to witness the love, the mercy, compassion of God. Like, that's a profound yep. thing to think oh about. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Like, what Todd was saying is 
Christ is present throughout the whole liturgy, not just in the consecration. Um, because I certainly have encountered folks that just think, well, it's just about the, the uh, body and blood of Christ. And that is the the, it's the, the crux, most that's right? the most unique, the most powerful, the most right. pr- you know right right the the uh, premier uh, exactly. encounter with Christ is in the Eucharist, but it doesn't stand on its own. Right, it, 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 it's yeah. within the context of the body gathered, and then as we talked about, I think it was last month, we enter into a dialogue. Yep. The, the body of Christ enters into a dialogue with the Father, and that that begins in well, it begins with the opening prayer, but then. After the opening prayer, the, the introductory rites end, and we go into the liturgy of the word. And through the liturgy of the word, as St. John Paul II said, it is a dialogue between God and his people, and Christ proclaims his, yeah. the gospel. So we, that's what we were talking about last month. And all of it sets us up for the liturgy of the Eucharist, but they, they, are, they are as important. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, again, bringing back the analogy of like a family gathering. When you gather for a meal, whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas, for example, there's always the storytelling. You know, people are gathering, they're talking, and they share their story, and then you usually sit down to eat. We do that as a Christian people. And that dialogue is we're in conversation, not only with, with past and the history, but how that lives out and is made present in this time. And that is really a beautiful thing to reflect on because you're right, that narrative, that story, as we come to know who we are as a people of God that have gathered, we are, we're drawn to the Eucharistic table um, to once again profess and to proclaim our unity, our communion, if you will, um, in this uh, in this body, in, yeah, in this body, which is has gathered to offer the prayer of Christ, yeah, and and so in the liturgy of the word, we 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 that that dialogue deepens, right? It's it, when the scriptures are read in the church, God Himself speaks to His people, and the people respond, and so it, it's a give and a take, it's a mm-hmm. back and a forth. We don't just sit there passively listening. Um, it, we, we actually enter into that conversation, and all and 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 then and all of that. And we said last month at the at the end of the liturgy of the word. As this dialogue begins, we we respond to God by the with the simple words, "I believe." Right, exactly. I believe in God the Father, who just spoke to us in the Scriptures. I believe Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ's only Son, who just proclaimed the gospel. I believe in the Holy Spirit, who who has pulled us, you know, called us together and unites us as one. All of that. That, the the most that's the most appropriate response in in that di- in that dialogue in that conversation and because of that belief and that faith and what we have heard and and proclaimed at that moment that's when we are then able to move into the prayers because we have faith and we've heard the story and we're in the community living as the body of Christ and we, that faith has been stirred right that, and that through exactly. the through the scriptures and and through the the conversation the dialogue between God and his people the faith with which we can then lift up our hearts to the Lord exactly in the liturgy of the Eucharist exactly that yeah. comes that comes next right yeah um, it, 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 and, and there was always that um, I mean I I re- even remember my parents and grandparents talking about well if you made it by the gospel it counts <laughs> <laughs> right I've heard that by from many people yeah and 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 my response is look at how much you have missed already. <laughs> Of this this dialogue between God, you know, this preparation to enter into the great prayer of praise and thanks that that is the Eucharistic prayer, um, it, and and you know, based based on a form of prayer that is millennia old. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't invent these prayers; we inherited <laughs> them. 
We inherited them from our Jewish brothers and sisters. Right. And the, the Eucharistic, Eucharistic prayer is historically rooted in the great Bar, uh, Baraka prayers mm-hmm. of praise and thanks to the Lord, to Yahweh, for everything that Yahweh has done and will continue, the, the Lord will continue to do in our midst now. And th- those are some great, great prayers. And we even see that in the scriptures. I mean, how the Last Supper unfolds is is ultimately based upon that Jewish tradition of celebrating Passover, of course. And But that Barakot prayer, that Barakah, um, that, that form is what we continue to use, even if it, the language is a little bit different maybe, but it is essentially the same form. Yep, yep. It, it, it is the prayer of blessing the Lord yeah. for, for all that the Lord has done, does, and will do. And, and it's interesting that that's, you know, sort of where, you know, as after the, the presentation of the gifts um, takes place and the, the uh, presider is, is uh, like blessing the gifts. Um, I'm not sure how else to say that. But oftentimes we don't hear those prayers. Um, the blessed be God, or blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, because there's music playing or the assembly singing. And so sometimes it's not as easy to make that connection for the assembly because they're not hearing that essential part of that, that clues you in what we're doing in this moment, in this time. Entering into the, the liturgy of the Eucharist, it begins with something that I, I, I always say, an inherent danger to ritual is that if you're not careful, you let the ritual become routine. Oh, for sure. And I think that yeah. I, 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 there are numerous places in the Mass where I think that happens. I think this is one of them. The prepara- <laughs> preparation of the gifts and, the, and the, the presentation of the gifts, the preparation of the altar, is such a profound moment of the liturgy. Bread and wine are brought forward. Very simple gifts. Those are, those are gifts which always make you – even just talking about them as gifts – already sets it in the context of a relationship, doesn't it? Oh, for, yes. A, a gift is yes. given from by one person to another. No. Um, gifts are offered from one person to another. Um, that, yeah. That's the nature of gift, and that's the words that that's the words that the the ritual uses. And uh, Timothy, just during the break, the missal itself. I, I love this line in the missal at the beginning of the liturgy of the Eucharist. It says, "It is desirable that the faithful express their participation." It, notice it doesn't say that some of the faithful express yeah. their part. It says, "The faithful the gathered there as the body of Christ express their participation by making an offering, bringing forward." bread and wine for the celebration of the Eucharist, and perhaps other gifts to relieve the needs of the church and of the poor. That's what it says about the preparation of the gifts. But there's a ton there. There is a, there is a ton there. And, and, and I think, uh, there, well, we can get into some of where this even comes from. But that is amazing. The first word that actually catches me before even offering is participation. Yes, yes. Because it, it definitely hon- or goes back to m- much of what we've talked about previously. But that this is a, a very tangible way that we show our active, full, conscious participation in the, in the Eucharistic liturgy. I'm going to push it even further. Yeah. I, think, I think it is the premier way mm. that we show our active, conscious, our, our full, active, conscious participation in the liturgy. I think it is the premier way that we do it. Because we, we, we do what Christ himself did. And the reason we do what Christ did is because we've been baptized in his image. And, yes. And, the, and as the body... 
We do what Christ has always done in his earthly life, what he continues to do through all eternity, what he will do in the completeness of the kingdom of God. Pour out himself completely in faith and trust to the Father. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you at all. What I would challenge both of us on is I don't think that's what the assembly thinks is going on at all, right? No, I don't think I so think either. they think offering is the collection. Which which is part of this. Interesting, yeah. Which which obviously is part of this, right? The the, the missile said you Right, right. The faith, some of the faith will bring bring forward bread and wine and perhaps other gifts yes. to relieve the needs of the church and the poor. Notice it doesn't say money. <laughs> exactly. So that makes me think then like we to interpret some of this to think back to the history of, of why gifts were brought forward in the first place. And we don't do this so much today, but in the Eucharistic liturgy in the early church, people were bringing the bread they made. And wine, wine they made. They made. They were bringing what they were—the physical labor that they put into the work of, of cultivating the land. That was part of the offering. It was the symbol of the offering of themselves completely for this community and the beautiful idea of what you shared earlier of giving gift. It isn't just offering something to God, but I share what I have with the whole, just as God did. God shared for all, even though the text says for many, but that's another part of our conversation. But um, that's what we're doing here, even though symbolically we're not bringing bread anymore, like ourselves. Right. Like I'm not bringing right. it from my home. But that procession of gifts with bread, wine, and I have been in many churches um, across the country on Sunday mornings who bring box cereal, canned foods, and they they place them around the the foot of the sanctuary because that will go to their food pantry, yep. or it's going to go I've to the local food well. pantry, which is a which is a great expression of what the missal says. Exactly, it doesn't say financial, although. That's necessary, right? But right, it says right. it says gifts to relieve the needs of the church and mm. to relieve the needs of the poor. The poor. I mean, think about in the Acts of the Apostles. I think it's where it, yes, it is. It. Like is but chapter two, chapter two, exactly. <laughs> you know where you're going? <laughs> but but that whole they laid their gifts at the feet of the apostle. They laid their their belongings yeah. at the feet of the apostles. Exactly. And and I was going to add to that. Remember the the importance that the Christian community took or or the care they took of the the uh, widowed and the orphaned the idea of that continues today whether it be a particular widow or orphan but the the whole um, body of Christ the poor the marginalized everybody that's involved the well off the well off and and the well off have a responsibility and, and I know this is challenging of the body. right and and we're challenged by that I think in in our current culture and climate but the liturgy and what what Jesus does for us on the cross and models for us is we give for the other, yeah. for the sake of the other. This is why I love St. Augustine's rule, because it's really based upon the Acts of the Apostles, that all things are held in common and that no one within the, the, the Christian community cares for the Christian community and beyond. Yes, and beyond. That's what's important. Yes. And beyond. And and I, I think in this little ritual that maybe every Sunday we, you know, sitting in our pew or singing our song as the gifts are coming forward, we, we just our forget. Check, right. getting, you know, getting again. Maybe we're reading the bulletin. Yeah. Like we're not really invested in what we're doing. Yeah. 
And I, I think I heard uh, uh, Father Ed Foley once to talk about this in terms of what we need to be doing as part of whether it be as we're singing. Um, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, um, but that we too are preparing to present ourselves at the altar. That's what we're doing. Oh my gosh, yes. It's the preparation of the gifts. And we're going to get to this in just a minute yeah. because most people think of just the gifts as the Eucharistic bread, the hosts, and the wine that are brought forward. Yeah. And that's not the case, obviously, because the Roman Missal even says, and other gifts, right? So the, right. the, the that whole – so, I mean, f- so f- just for the listeners, so when they, when they place their envelope in the basket, that – to see that as, as a, 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 an action of self-giving. Exa- yes. And it's an action that helps even the practicality of keeping the lights on. But it's also the the work that the church does to feed those in your local community. Yeah. Um, to make sure that uh, I cannot tell you how many times I've been in a parish office, or at least in the parish that I grew up. I, mean, I grew up in a very poor area of Missouri. How often somebody would knock on on the door and just say, "I can't buy formula for my new infant." That's what the church does with what you're what you're putting in in the in the collection. Right. It's, and that is so essential. And, and to see to see that not as an obligation, right? Right, or to to, to see that not as, um, uh, um, you know, look how good I am to support the church, right? It's to see it as uh, this is my responsibility as a baptized member of the body of Christ, yeah. and that because of the love that I have been filled with, it's pouring out. So that I might serve other, yeah, I, just as Christ did on the cross. I mean, that's really what this is. Yes. It's connected to that. Yes. It can't be. Oh my be. gosh! It's <laughs> none of it is unconnected from that. Right. It can't. It can't be. Uh, otherwise, we aren't. Well, maybe this is a stretch, but then we're not living the Christian life. Uh, in some ways, maybe that's a little dramatic, but it, it it's we're always not living the Christian life fully. <laughs> fully. That, that's a yeah. That, that's right. Like we're, we're challenged. I'm, I'm challenged along with our listeners just yes. as much because I'm not great at this always. Right, right. Um, you know, it's not the the crumpled up single dollar bill that you give. Just say, okay, I gave. It's it's um it, it's the idea of I I I give what I can. Right. And sometimes I give even when I can't. I mean, right. that's that. It all of that is is part of this. Um, and 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 <clears throat> it's it's. We said earlier, the bread and the wine, those are very simple gifts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bread that is literally just ground wheat and water. Yes, very simple. <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's literally the blood of the grape. Mm-hmm. Just pressed grapes, that's how simple they are. Yeah. And, and, and all of it comes from, as we said earlier at the first start, from God, God's creation. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah, and that's what we will and hear. And reflect, and, and that's reflected in the text. Yeah. So the prayers of blessing you made mention. Of, I I absolutely love these. I, I just, oh my gosh, um, and and yes, on Sunday we might not hear them because there is a a, a chant, a song that might be being sung as the gifts are brought forward. But the, uh, the 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 ritual says that the priest stands at the altar. He takes the bread, he holds it slightly raised above the altar, and he says. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands who will become for us the bread of life. There's the whole rest of our show, right? I mean, that's, yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, the, the bounty of God, like we have received yes. the bounty of God and we, 
it, it's, you know, whether religious sisters or brothers or priests or whoever's making those hosts that we use, their work, their labor, but it's coming from the earth. And thanks to Todd and Tim for always bringing us a great radio program. We close today's program with an important reminder that you can attend Mass by visiting our website, archchicago.org. That's archchicago.org. The Masses are also available on Facebook and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Our thanks to ABC7 for televising our English Sunday Mass at 9.30 in the morning, to Univision for televising our Spanish-language Mass at 10 a.m., and to Polvision for televising our Polish-language Mass Sunday at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to us every Saturday morning on Relevant Radio, 9.50 and 9.30 a.m. I'm Jim Dish for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Have a great weekend, everyone. Join us every Saturday morning for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.